I need your help tonight. Pray you'd help me. Lord, there are people here tonight who could have been doing a million other things, but they decided to honor you with their time. And they came to church, Lord, and I don't want them to leave here without hearing from you. Father, I ask that you'd please use me and help me to deliver your word in your precious name, I pray. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 8. In Exodus chapter number 8, we read of the second, third, and fourth plagues. If you remember chapter 7, we started studying that first plague when Moses turned the waters of Egypt into blood. And in chapter 8, we read there about the second, third, and fourth plague. And there's something in each one of those plagues that we can learn from. And I just want to go through them quickly tonight. don't want to take too long. Uh, you don't believe me probably, but uh, let's go ahead and begin there. Look at verse number uh, 1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Now, this, the most one of the most famous quotes known of Moses in regards to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt is this quote uh, that we've read earlier before in the book of Exodus, but I don't know that I've really brought your attention to it. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. That's the most famous uh, quote that we have from Moses. If you if you ask the average person, tell me something Moses said. Uh, the, the average person would say, Moses uh, said, which really Moses had Aaron say, uh, let my people go. And uh, very famous famous uh, quote from Moses. If you've been in church a little while longer, or maybe read your Bible a little more, uh, the next famous quote that you would say from Moses would probably be, uh, who is on the Lord's side, in, in that famous story there, when Moses said those words. But, uh, you know, we focus on that word, on that phrase there, let my people go. There's songs written uh, with, the, with, the, with those words there, and very powerful words. But, uh, when we read those words, and, and we understand what God is saying, God is saying, let my people People go, and he's talking about the children of Israel, God's people, which by the way, today, we're the children of Israel today, the New Testament believer is God's people, and I'm not going to take the time to go through that in the Bible, I can prove that from the Bible um, another time, but uh, when he says, let my people go, and he's talking to Pharaoh, we've talked about this before, Egypt represents the world in the Bible, you always go down into Egypt, Egypt is the, the house of bondage, Egypt is the, 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 the furnace of fire, Egypt is always considered a negative place, it represents the world, it represents ungodliness, uh, even Sodom and Gomorrah, remember how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah were, and, and they had, uh, you know, such just uh, abominable sin there in Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Bible even tells us about Sodom and Gomorrah that when Lot chose the uh, to to the well-watered plains of Sodom, he chose them because it was like the land of Egypt. So even Sodom and Gomorrah, that was such a wicked place, the Bible tells us it was a wicked place because it was like the land of Egypt. And Egypt is a, is the world. Egypt is bondage. Egypt is sin. Pharaoh represents the world. Pharaoh represents the leadership of ungodliness and evil, which uh, the the Bible tells us the king of the world world today is the devil. You say, well, I thought the king of the world was, was Jesus Christ. Well, we know that Jesus Christ is the king of the entire universe, but God allows the devil to rule this world right now. And God and Moses, God through Moses says, let my people go. And we understand what he's saying by that. He's saying, I want to bring my people out of the world, separation. I want to bring my people out of the world, uh, out of bondage, out of slavery. And we ought to say amen and amen to that. Praise the Lord for that. But I don't want you to miss the rest. 
statement. Because we emphasize so much in churches today. We do it at Verity Baptist Church and other churches. Even churches that aren't preaching the gospel. Churches that preach a social gospel. uh, Teach so much about bringing people out of bondage. And we talk about bringing them out of bondage. And and we talk about bringing them out of alcohol. And we talk about bringing them out of drug uh, abuse. We talk about bringing them out of of financial bondage. Bringing them out of debt. And and helping them get jobs. And helping them, you know, uh, be able to... uh, uh, have success with their incomes. And we we talk about bringing them out of bondage with their families. That's why we preach a whole entire series on the subject of the family. Teaching you how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, a good good mother and a good father and and having those relationships. And we teach the Bible. And we want to bring you out of the bondage of the sin of this world. Whatever bondage you're in, it may be uh, laziness, it may be drugs, it may be cursing, it may be uh, television, whatever it is. You know, we want to say to God's people today, let my people go, but I, I want you to not to understand this, the reason that God wants to bring you out of bondage, the reason that God makes those famous statements, let my people go in the Bible, is because of this, look at the last phrase of verse number one, he says, let my people go, comma, look what he says, that they may serve me, do you see that? The Bible says, let my people go, that they may serve me. You say, Pastor Jimenez, why do you want, uh, why do you preach so hard against alcohol and you want to bring people out of the bondage of, of, of being a drunkard and being a drunk? You say, why do you want to do that? Not just so we can clean them up. Not just so we can bring them out of bondage just to say they came out of bondage. We want to bring them out of the bondage of alcohol and bring them out of the bondage of drug abuse and bring them You understand what I'm saying? The reason we want to bring you out of financial bondage is not just so you cannot be broke. That's just, uh, uh, you know, a benefit. The reason we want to bring you out of financial bondage that they that they may serve God. I, I'll be very honest with you, and I'll be very blunt with you. Pastor Evangelist preaches so much about work and anti laziness and, and, and tithing and, and giving, you know, financial. You say, well, it's because Pastor doesn't want me to live broke. Look, I don't want you to live broke. I really don't. But you know what I really want? It's for you to be successful. You know why? Because we got to train up some men in this church. And maybe one day, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see these uh, boys. I'd like to see this Moses right here. And, and, and Joshua and, and Joel one day as they grow up. And, and other young people and young ladies that, that, uh, we, that come to this church and get raised in the church. You know what I'd love to see? It's to see us train some young people and send them out and start churches just like this one all across this country. Maybe send people out.
free to serve God. So you can be free to go soul winning. So you can be free to give financially. So you can be successful in your life to be able to say, see, God did not want to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt just to say, oh, now they're free. He wanted to bring them out of Egypt into the promised land to create a great empire. Why? So that Jesus Christ could come to this earth and the entire world could hear the gospel preached. He says, let my people go, not for the sake of letting my people go, that they may serve me. That's your job in life. That's your lot in life. You say, what's, what's the will of God for my life? To serve God. Whatever your capacity is, your capacity may not be to pastor. Your capacity may not be to be a, a, a missionary. Your capacity may be to be a faithful soul winner. Your capacity may be to be a faithful member here and help us reach the world and help us train people and encourage people. That may be whatever it is, but your job is to come out of bondage to serve God. He says, let my people go, but don't miss it, that they may serve me. Look at verse 2. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. We have the second plague there. The second plague there of smiting the entire borders of Egypt with frogs. Look at verse 3. And the rivers shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thy house, and in thy bedchambers, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and in thy kneading troughs. I want to show you that as we progress through the plagues, you notice they get worse and worse. But I, I want you to understand something. God begins... The plagues with just inconveniencing you. Notice he doesn't really hurt anybody. He just brings these frogs and they're just everywhere. I mean, they're in your bedchamber. They're on your bed. Can you imagine going home and just, you're, you're, man, you're tired, you've been working all day, you want to go lay down and you just go into your bedroom and there's just frogs everywhere. Just slimy, green, nasty frogs. Just on your bed. The Bible says they were in the bedchambers. They were on thy bed. And in the house of thy servants. And upon thy people. They were on people. And into thine ovens. You go to cook, you open up your oven, and frogs jump out. And into thy kneading troughs. I mean, you're cooking utensils. I mean, ten-year-old boys probably thought this was the greatest thing in the world. But other than that, everybody else was probably very inconvenienced. Look at verse 4. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. That was the threat. Verse 5 begins when God actually does it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand and thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Now, it's very interesting because... Uh, we talked about this last week, how uh, history tells us, and, and I want to make sure uh, you understand, this is history. I'm not giving you Bible right now, it's history. Sometimes people make statements and they think it's in the Bible, you know, people think it's in the Bible, and it, it's not. But history tells us that the ten plagues that God, uh, you know, poured out on Egypt were ten attacks upon gods of Egypt. Egypt were polytheistic, they were they served multiple gods. And last week we talked about how they had that god of the Nile. And they, they, they believed and they worshipped the god who controlled the waters of Egypt. The Niles of Egypt. And then God turns the water into blood and shows them, no, actually, I'm in control of the Nile. And with these frogs, there's an Egyptian god, lowercase g, by the way, not a real god, just an idol, named Heket, who was the goddess of 
fertility, water, and renewal. And this goddess, the reason people believe that this uh, plague was an attack upon that goddess, is because this goddess, if you look at their idol that they worship, was a, uh, a woman's body with the head of a frog. And, and the frog there, she was the goddess of fertility, and in Egypt, they, uh, they, the, the frog there represented uh, fertility. Because, because these frogs reproduce, you know, uh, I, I think in Greek mythology or in one of those other pagan religions, uh, uh, rabbits represented fertility. It's just these animals that reproduce very quickly. And God says, no, actually, let me show you who's in control of the frogs and who's in the frog. He said, you want to worship a God of fertility? Let me show you fertility. <laughs> he said, there are going to be so many frogs, they're going to be on you, they're going to be everywhere. And again, just, just history, not Bible. The Bible doesn't mention that goddess or anything. But something interesting for you to think about. But the Bible tells us that, that God brought down these frogs. And look at verse number 7. I, I don't know if you've noticed this. But all throughout the book of Exodus, this has been happening. Verse 7, And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Every time that Moses did something, the magicians copied it. Moses uh, put down the, the, uh, his rod there, and it turned into a serpent. And then the magicians of uh, Pharaoh put down their rods, and it became a serpent. Of course, Moses' serpent ate the rest of the serpents. So God still showed his power, but they copied him. Moses turned the entire water system, all the Nile, all the ponds, every piece of water upon the land into blood. And the Bible tells us the magicians took a little bit of water and turned it into blood. Now they didn't turn all the waters of Egypt into blood, but they turned some water into blood. And then again here we find the magicians in verse 7, and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So Moses brought all these frogs upon Egypt, and then the magicians said, we can do that. And they do their little enchantments and their little powers there, and they bring up, they bring up some frogs. Now, if I was Pharaoh, I would be saying, what are you doing? We don't need more frogs. You know, we've got enough frogs. Uh, but they brought up frogs to show that they've got power too. Look at verse 8. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord. Now, Pharaoh gets into a different phase. We begin a different phase here. Because remember the last, last week in chapter 7, when Moses turned the water into blood? Remember uh, Pharaoh's uh, reaction? Uh, verse 23 of chapter 7, And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. When Moses turned the water into blood, Pharaoh just ignored it. Went home, didn't even give it a second thought. But now, Pharaoh's starting to get annoyed. And Pharaoh actually calls Moses. If you look at verse 8 again, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs. That he may take away the frogs. So he says, Hey, uh, you know, entreat the Lord, ask the Lord to take these frogs away. He said, From me and from my people. And notice what he says, And I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Now this is the first of many times that Moses is going to say, Hey, I'll let the people go if you take the, fro- if you take the plague away. You let, take the frogs away, I'll let the people go. Now the first time Moses believed them, look at verse 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. I mean, Moses is excited. He says, Glory over me. And, and for, uh, 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 he says, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee? He, he's excited because he's like, Well, it, you know, uh, it, all it took was frogs. You know, we did the frogs, Pharaoh's upset, he says, I'll let the people go, and he says, glory over me, he says, praise the Lord. He says, man, that's great, and he asks a question, when shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people to destroy the frogs 
from thee, and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only. Now in verse 10, we find one of the oddest verses, I think, in the entire book of Exodus. Because they've got these frogs, right? And they've got so many frogs, that Pharaoh's annoyed enough to where he says, look, tell God to take the frog away and I'll let the people go. And they've got the frogs in their ovens, they've got their frogs in the kneading troughs, they've got the uh, frogs in their bedrooms, they've got them on their beds, they got them on, the frogs are actually, there's, there's so many frogs, they're jumping on people. And he says, okay, just, just entreat the Lord, uh, I'll let the people go, just take the frogs away. And Moses responds, glory over me, he says, when shall I entreat them? He says, when do you want me to have the frogs go away? Look at verse number 10. And he said, this is Pharaoh speaking, Tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word. Now, think about this. If you were Pharaoh, and you're going to bed, and the frogs, you're getting ready to go to bed, and there's frogs on your bed. The Bible tells us there's frogs on the bed. And you say to Moses, entreat the people that they, entreat the Lord, take these frogs away, I'll let the people go. And Moses, great, when do you want them to go? Would you say tomorrow and sleep with the frogs? (laughs) Wouldn't you say like uh, five minutes ago, Moses? Uh, Right now, Moses? It's very interesting. This is what Pharaoh said. He says, he says, give me one, just give me one more night with the frogs. He says, give me one more night. He says, he says, I want you to make the frogs go away. But he said, he said, when do you want them to go, Pharaoh? And he says, tomorrow, Moses. I need one more evening with the frogs. I need one more night with the frogs. And you and I would look at that and think, Pharaoh, you're crazy. Pharaoh, what is your problem? But you know what? That's no different than you and I. You know, when, when, the, when the preaching of God's Word is preached in this pulpit, and, and the Holy Spirit of God uses the, the, the Word of God to uh, pierce your heart, and you start to, and the Holy Spirit begins to pound upon your heart, and you start to maybe uh, uh, start feeling about sin in your life, or start feeling about things in your life, and you start thinking to yourself, man, uh, I really got to get to soul winning. You came to all the soul winning series, 101, you heard me preach about soul winning, and you're like, man, I got to go soul winning, man, I got to get out there, I got to preach the gospel, man, I got family that's going to die and go to hell, I got neighbors that are going to die and go to hell, I, I need to get out there to go soul winning, and then somebody asks you, or, or the Holy Spirit in your mind asks you, when are you going to do it, and your response is, next week, your response is, uh, oh, I'll get to it, sometime, what are you saying, here's what you're saying, give me one more night with the frogs. Give me one more night with my sin. Give me one more night with, with, with me not being right with God. And you see, when, when the Holy Spirit of God uh, uh, moves in your heart, and you say, man, i got to get to reading the Bible, and man, i got to get to prayer, and man, i got to get to back to church, and, and get back to living right, and get back to being separated, and get back to doing the thing I know I ought to do. And then God says, when are you going to do it? And you say, oh, I'll start it next week. I'll start it tomorrow. See, is that so odd that Moses says, give me one more night with the frog? Because you and I often say, God, can I have one more night with my sin? Can I have one more night? With, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up drinking, I promise. What are you going to do? It? Uh, maybe tomorrow, after the weekend. I'll start fresh on Monday. See, we ought to have this attitude with God. When God moves in your heart, Pharaoh, when God shakes you and gets your attention and inconveniences you, and the man of God says, hey, when do you want to attack? You ought to say, right now. I'm going to get right with God right now. I'm going to get saved right now. I'm going to do right right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So often we go out and knock on people's doors, give them the
gospel, people who completely understand the gospel, they completely understand salvation, and they'll say to us, I, I, I understand it, but I'm not ready to pray right now. And we say, well, wh- well what are you going to do? And they say, I just, I, I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it another time. See, Pharaoh is not as crazy as we think when you apply it to our lives. We often say to God, give me one more night with the frogs. But, but, but most of our thinking to himself, Pharaoh, I, I could get those frogs out of here right now. He says, yeah, I know, but one more night. One more night with the frogs. One more night with my sin. One more night with my hard heart. Look at verse 11. Actually, look at verse 10 again. And he said, tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word. Notice what he said. He said, okay, whatever you want. You want it tomorrow? Fine. That thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. He says, look, the, the, the reason that the, the, the river turned into blood, the reason the frog are here is God has one aim at you and it's this, that you would know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. All these little idols you have, Pharaoh, they have no power. There is one God, the I am that I am, the almighty, the all-powerful God, and He wants you to know who He is. Because remember when, Mo, when, when Moses first went to Pharaoh, what did Pharaoh say? What was his first response? He's like, who is the Lord? He says, I don't know the Lord. And, and Moses is making sure, he's like, you didn't, you didn't know the Lord, but you're going to know him by the time we're done. <laughs> Look at verse 11. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and thy servants and from thy people, that they shall remain in the rivers only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he did which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Look at verse 15. They so, well, why, Pastor Manus, why does it matter if I wait? If the, if the Lord speaks to me, and I decide, well, I'll get right with God tomorrow, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal, because here's what happens. Look at verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, that, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that word right, but it means rest. Respite, is that how you say it? But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, or respite, <laughs> when there was rest, when he got a break, when the frogs were gone, look what it says, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord has said. See, that's why you don't want to wait. That's why, that's why when the Holy Spirit of God is moving in your heart, you want to make that move right now. Not tomorrow. Because tomorrow, when the, your heart may not be stirred, in fact, your heart may just get hard. Look at verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it, come, that it become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. We have there plague number three. The dust of the land becomes lice throughout all the land of Egypt. The Egyptians have, history tells us, a lowercase god, an idol they served, who was the god of the earth. I don't even have his name right now. I have it somewhere here. Let me let me get it. I didn't write down his name. I want to give you his name. His name was Jeb. And he was the god of the earth. He controlled the ground. He controlled the dust. 
And it's interesting, you say, well, what does this plague have to do, what does lice have to do with the earth? Well, the lice doesn't have much to do with the earth, but how God did it, look at verse 17 again, and they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and Lord who says, and smote the dust of the earth. And it, the dust of the earth, became lice in man and in beast. So see, they had this God that controls the dust of the earth, and God says, no, actually, I control the dust of the earth, and I'm going to take that dust and turn it into lice, and it's going to be a plague on you. You know, and God's just attacking these gods. You have a God of the Nile? Okay, I'll turn the Nile into blood. You got a God that looks like a frog? Okay, I'll give you more frogs than you can handle. You got a God that controls the earth? Okay, I'll turn the dust of the earth into lice. Look at verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth life. So they, it, it, magicians just write on it. Same thing they do every time, right? Moses turns a serpent into uh, a rod into a serpent, they turn rods into a serpent. Moses turns water into blood, they turn water into blood. Moses brings frogs, and they show up with more frogs. Moses turns the earth into lice, verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. Notice what it says. But they could not. So there were lice upon the man and upon the beast. There came a point when they could not match God's power. Now let me explain something to you. Witchcraft and sorcery is real. I know you like to read your little Harry Potter and you like to let your kids watch their little Harry Potter and it's just, you know, you're, it's, just, it's just good fun, Pastor. It's just good fun. You know, the world wants to just mock what the Bible says, but you know that there really is a devil? You know that there really is, you know, uh, uh, high powers and, and dark places? These people really were able to do this. These magicians were literally, and they weren't God's prophet, and they were able to match Moses' miracle after miracle after miracle. They were able to do it, and it wasn't God doing it. It was Satan doing it. Witchcraft and all that stuff is real. But there comes a limit to it. See, when they turned the serpents into, uh, the rods into serpents, yeah, they did it by the power of uh, uh, the devil, but it's because God allowed them. Do you understand that? When they turned water into blood, they did it through the power of the devil, but it's because God allowed them to. When, when, when they brought forth frogs, yeah, they were able to, to do it through the power of the devil, but it's because God allowed them to. And there comes a point where God says, uh, no more. They, they want to do it. They're, they're very confident in the fact that they could do it. But God says, not today, guys. It reminds me of the story. Remember the story of Elijah? Remember when Elijah uh, was uh, uh, battling versus the 400 uh, prophets of Baal? And they were, and they were, they they had a match, and they said, "Okay, uh, let's see whose God is more powerful, and, and which God can bring down fire from heaven and consume the burnt offering." Remember that story? When well, he said, "I got to preach that story," and, and remember the, the he, Elijah says to the four hundred prophets, "You go first. And they start, they build their little altar, and they start doing, they start having their worship service. They get out their rock and roll music, and they're dancing, and they're partying, and they're and they're calling upon their God, and nothing happens. And they keep doing it, and they keep doing it. And the Bible tells us it comes to the place where they're cutting themselves with knives, and they're bleeding, and they're sacrificing, and they're doing all these things. They're saying, and they're saying to their God, look, those people honestly thought that they could bring down fire. I promise you, any day of the week, they could have. But that day, God said, not today, guys. <laughs> see, that, see, see the, 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 the prophets of Baal began to do their little worship, began to cut themselves, and I can just imagine the devil saying, Stop. 
the devil. Whenever God wants to, He can stop His power. And that ought to give us confidence. You say, I'm getting pummeled by the devil. I'm getting pummeled by the demons. I'm getting pummeled. I'm being attacked by the enemy. Let me tell you something. Anything that happens is filtered through God. God can stop him at any time. Moses, don't be discouraged that they're matching you. Whenever I want, they'll stop. And it's interesting, look at verse 19. The magicians, then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. See, they, they went to do it, they couldn't do it, and then this is what they said, this is the finger of God. Now it's very interesting that they said this is the finger of God. And think, keep in mind, this is the book of Exodus. This is thousands of years ago. But why would they make that statement, this is the finger of God? Here's why. What's on your finger? Do you know what I'm talking about? A fingerprint. Do you know that your fingerprint is unique to you? You know that your fingerprint obviously can be used to identify you? You know, when you broke into that house and then they, they came knocking on your door and you're like, how do you find it? It's because you left your fingerprints on the window. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Your fingerprints are unique to you. You are the only person that has these fingerprints, unless you've got, you know, sometimes weird twins or whatever. But, uh, you know, by and large, your fingerprints are unique to you. And the Bible says that they said, this is the finger of God, because this is a miracle that was unique to God. No one else could do it. Very interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 20. Well, look at verse 19 again. And the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said... Unto Moses, rise up early in the morning. I, I underline that in my Bible. Every time God, you you be surprised. Do this as you read your Bible. Underline in your Bible every time God tells one of His men to get up early. You'll be surprised how many times God tells His men to get up early. I mean, He tells Moses, rise up early in the morning. He didn't say sleep in. He didn't say get up when you get up. He said rise up early in the morning. Study the book of Joshua. Joshua constantly getting up early in the morning. Study the life of Jesus Christ. Constantly getting up before the sun comes up. Constantly getting up early in the morning. Rising early in the morning. I'm a big believer in getting up early in the morning. Now look, I don't like getting up early in the morning. I struggle with getting up early in the morning. Oftentimes, I lose that battle of getting up early in the morning. But we ought to be a people who have a desire to get up early in the morning and get ready for the day. Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the waters, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if I will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Now, we begin another phase of the plagues here. Look at verse 22. We're almost done. Verse 22. He says, I'm going to bring swarms of flies. Verse 22. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen. Now, the land of Goshen, if you were with us while we were studying the book of Genesis, do you remember when Joseph brought the children of Israel into Egypt for the first time? He gave them the land of Goshen because they had cattle and they could feed their, pasture, their cattle there, that pasture there. Well, this is where the children of Israel lived. From the time of Joseph all the way towards the end here, about 430 years, they lived in the land of Goshen. And God says in verse 22, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell. Look what it says, that no swarm of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. And tomorrow shall this sign be. 
Notice God made, he said, He said, I'm going to make a division between my people and your He says, your people. Whose people? Pharaoh's people. Whose people? The world's people. Let me tell you something. In God's eyes, there's a difference between God's people and everyone else. That's why the Bible tells us, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the power, but is of the world. That's why the Bible teaches us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed with the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's why the Bible tells us to mark them and avoid them. It tells us to be different. It tells us to be holy. It tells us to be peculiar. Why? Because God says to me, you're different. He says there's a difference between my people and your people, Pharaoh. And let me tell you something. You ought to live differently in your life. I know that the average church in this city teaches you that you can just do whatever the world does. You can drink like the world drinks. You can listen to the music the world listens to. You can watch the same filth on television that the world watches. You can watch the same queers on television that the world watches. You can just do what the world does, fornicate like the world, and, and, and everything's fine. That's not what the Bible says, my friend. God says we ought to be different. There's, there's a reason why you walk into Verity Baptist Church and it's different than any other church in the city. Show me the church that's singing hymns like we sing. Show me the church that preaches for an hour and 20 minutes. The Bible. Show me the church that goes through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, that, that literally goes to like 50 plus verses in one sermon. Show me the church that's out knocking doors, getting people. You say, why are you so different? Because God said we are. God said there's a difference between my people and your people. Look at verse 24. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous sword. And by the way, let me just say this. Go to, go, go to, the wor- to these churches that have worldly music. You say, why are you against Christian rap? Because it's like the world's rap. Why are you against Christian rock? Because it's like the world's rock. Why are you against Christian contemporary Christian music? Because it's like 98.5 light rock. You know, what is it? Uh, light rock, last talk, whatever it is. It's the same music. You listen to these contemporary Christian songs, and I don't know if they're talking about their boyfriend or Jesus, the way they talk. It's the same words. They just put the name of Jesus in it. We ought to be different. Look at verse 25. And, and Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, "Go." Uh, I'm sorry, verse 24 again. And the, Lord, and the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies in the house of Pharaoh, and into the, his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. And I want you to notice this. Here's the difference in this plane. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. Remember I told you that every plague progressively got worse and worse? What was the first plague? Turn the water into blood. Now that was very inconvenient for the people. But was it hurting them? Like disgusting them? No. It's just they couldn't get water. The next plague was frogs. And these frogs are in their houses, in their bedchambers, in their beds, on them, in their ovens, in their kneading troughs. The third plague, or the... Did we miss a plague there? We had the, the, yeah, the next plague, whatever number it was, he, oh no, no, the, the, the next one was, what was it, the, the lice, right? And that was inconvenient, I mean, lice everywhere, that's going to be disgusting. But now, he brings the swarm of flies, but here's the difference, the flies are actually corrupting, or the, what that means is they're destroying the land. So now people start being, they're destroying crops, they're destroying property. Now it's not just being inconvenient, now it's actually destroying you. And notice, God doesn't mind inconveniencing His people, but He will not put His wrath on His people. Did you notice that? He let the frogs affect the children of Israel. God, you know that God will inconvenience you and I if it's for a greater good? You know that God will allow, you know, we, we, with the, 
we get this idea. God, why, why is it that the economy is so bad and I'm going to lose my house? You know that God doesn't really care if you lose your house? It's not really on His priorities list. You know that, you know that if, God, if one person could get saved because of the economy going bad, that He would let every Christian lose their house, every Christian lose their job, every Christian lose everything, if it meant a revival in this country? He doesn't come to any He doesn't care. I know that's a loving God, isn't it? But you know He's not going to pour His wrath on you? No, you're not going to die because of it? And obviously, we may be persecuted. We understand that. But when it came to a swarm of flies that was going to destroy the land, God said, I'm going to separate my people. He said, swarm of flies all over Egypt, but right in Goshen, that's going to be a, a nice place. Look at verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and, and Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. i got to do this quickly. i got like six minutes. Pharaoh is transitioning here. He went from ignoring the plagues to saying, just flat out lying, I'll let you serve your people. And then, and then changing his mind about it. And he knows that that's not going to work the whole time. So now Pharaoh goes into a new phase. He's now uh, trying to get a deal going with Moses. And in verse 25, the Bible says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God. But notice what he says. In the land. Now is that part of the rules? What did Moses say? Moses said they have to go out three days journey. And Moses, and notice, everything is in the Bible for a reason. Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let you sacrifice your God, but do it in the land. Did you notice that? He says, sacrifice your God in the land. He said, he said you can sacrifice your God, but don't do it in e- don't do it three days journey. He said, do it right here in Egypt. Notice Moses' response, verse 26, and Moses said, it is not me to do so, or a me so to do. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? Like, look, we're going to sacrifice your guys' sin. If we do that in front of you, they're going to stone us. Lord, he says, verse 27, We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God as He uh, shall command us. Now, look, there's a few things you can learn. Pharaoh represents the devil. You know the devil doesn't mind you sacrificing God as long as you don't leave Egypt? You say, what do you mean by that? You know that Pharaoh doesn't mind you going to church on Sunday morning, as long as you still live like the world? You know that the devil doesn't mind you uh, believing in God and being, even being saved, as long as you still live like hell? As long as you still live like Egypt? He says, sacrifice to your Lord. Do your little religious thing. Go ahead. Just do it in Egypt. Just do it in the world. He's saying, this is what he's saying, just don't separate from us. He says, do your little church service right here in the world. That's what, we're, that's what I'm talking about. That's the contemporary worship, speaking in tongues, in, you know, worldly Christian circle. The devil doesn't mind if you serve God as long as you do it in Egypt. But notice he says, the purpose of serving God is to get away from you people. <laughs> he says, the purpose of serving God is to sacrifice for your sins. He says, we can't do that near you, we got to separate. Because we're different. Verse 27. He says, we will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God. I love this phrase. As He shall command us. You know what he's saying? You know what Moses is saying? This is what Moses is saying to Pharaoh. God's in charge, not you. God makes the rules, not you. You do it God's way or you don't do it at all, Pharaoh. He said, we're not going to sacrifice in Egypt. Look at verse 28. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness. Notice what he says. Only, you shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. He says, okay, okay, you don't want to sacrifice in Egypt? Okay, just don't go very far away. 
See, do you understand that this is this is the devil's motive? This is this this is what the devil says. This is this is what your worldly family says. Okay, you can go to church on Sunday morning. Just don't go on Sunday night. Oh, okay. You you can go to church on Sunday morning. Just don't go on Wednesday night. Oh, okay. You know, uh, we don't have to. You know, uh, uh, we don't have to drink at the bar. Can we just go into the bar? Do you have to take it that to that extreme, Moses? Go ahead in the wilderness, but don't go three days. I mean, that's extreme, Moses. Are you not some sort of a cold Moses? Three days? Why don't you do it close to the world? This is how the world works, my friend. When you're battling like Moses was with the world, they're going to try everything. And we'll see as we continue on. He continues his pressure. He continues to try to make Pharaoh do things, or make Moses do things. Verse 28, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. He said, don't be so extreme. Okay? Just, just, you, okay, just be, be a Christian, but just don't be so extreme about it. He said, don't go very far away. Stay, stay close to the world. Entreat for me. Verse 29, And Moses said, Behold, I will go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord, that the swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants. And from his people tomorrow. Notice, he doesn't even ask him this time. He says, he says I'll do it. I'm going to get Pharaoh. Pharaoh, don't worry. I'll, I'll get the flies to go away, but I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. He says, and that's what you like. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. He says, can you, don't lie to us anymore. Can you just let us go? Verse 30. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh and from his servants and from his people. There remains not one. Verse 32, a very important verse. We're done right here. And Pharaoh, notice what it says, hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. See, at the beginning we heard that God said, the Bible says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. But now we get a glimpse into something a little different. The Bible tells us that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And that's very important. And we'll study that out as we continue uh, going through the Bible. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to study your word and just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Every time we open your Bible, we can learn something from it. Lord, I ask that you uh, just bless those who came tonight. Help us to, as we prepare for this week, help us to have a good church service on Sunday morning. We love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.